To judge the word of God sometimes takes years that extends past a person's life. That's why it's important for us to put faith in it and do as God commands. Hi, I'm Femi Asabin, a preacher for the Church of Christ. Thank you for tuning into today's sermon, God's Enduring Word, taken from 1 Kings 13. This sermon looks at the story of the young prophet sent to prophesy of Josiah to Jeroboam and tell him of his religious errors and what God's view of it was. Not heeding God's word can be fatal. While its rewards truly bring blessings to our lives, only if we listen. Hopefully, this sermon encourages us to put our faith in the word of God and trust that even if it takes years to be fulfilled, it's going to reign true. When it comes to a person putting faith in God, one has to look outside of their life in order for one to know what God says and to actually see what God's doing and and, and see if God's actually going to keep his word. Because God is eternal and he's outside of time and so he's not constrained to the same things that we are being time. But he's also a God that does not lie. And what a lot of people judge the validity of the word of God on is what happened during their lifespan. And so they'll say either God is faithful or faithless because in their short period on this planet, what they think that God says did or did not happen. But that is not the accurate way to test or to see the validity of God's enduring word. If you will, turn to 1 Kings 13 with me, and we'll read a section in there. And what's interesting is that God gives a prophecy to a young prophet at the beginning of the divided kingdom. And that prophecy is not fulfilled until almost the end of the Jerusalem nation. Now, we know that Jerusalem fell after Israel. So what God has actually said took hundreds of years to come into fruition. Now, if one was to hear God's prophecy at its inception and try to see it till its end, they would never see it in their lifetime. But that does not mean that God's word will not be fulfilled. 1 Kings 13, and I'm going to start with verse 1, and I'm going to get to reading, and when it gets good, I'm going to stop. But 1 Kings 13, verse 1. And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel, and Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee he shall offer the priest of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and man's bones shall be burnt upon thee. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord hath spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. 
And it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which he cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold of him, and his hand which he put forth against him dried up so that he could not pull it in again to him. The altar was also rent and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king answered and said unto the man of God, Entreat now the face of the Lord thy God and pray for me that my hand may be restored me again. And the man of God besought the Lord and the king's hand was restored him again and become as it was before. And the king said unto the man of God, come home with me and refresh thyself and I will give thee a reward. And the man of God said unto the king, if thou will give me half thine house, I will not go in with thee. Neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For it was for so was it charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, eat no bread nor drink water nor turn again by the same way which thou camest. So he went another way and returned not by the way that he came to Bethel. Now what just happened was a young prophet came into Jeroboam. Jeroboam has established vain worship to God because he thinks that by establishing this worship at Dan and Bethel, he's going to be able to keep the people of God from going back to Jerusalem and worshiping God and losing what God has given him. And that's a mistake that a lot of people make is that they think that if they do what God wants them to do their way, they're going to be able to keep what God has given them. Jeroboam was just given 10 tribes of Israel and became the king over them and was scared to lose what God gave him. So he said, let's worship God a way that is easier, more convenient for you, but you will never be able to please God by doing what is convenient and easier by your standard. So God sends the prophet out, and that's what we just read. The prophet prophesies to Jeroboam, and one would think that Jeroboam, after seeing his hand with it, after seeing the altar rent and the ashes fall on the ground, would say this Man is of God, and I need to do what he says, but he doesn't. But what is more telling is that God gave a prophecy that upon this altar, the priest's bones shall be burnt up on it. Now, one way that you can tell time in the Bible is just go through the progressing chapters. So we're starting in 1 Kings chapter 13. Turn now your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 23. This is the same period of time that we read in Bible class. The days of Josiah. And it said that there would be one called Josiah who would come and burn these bones, right? Mm -hmm. 2 Kings 23, and we'll start at verse 15. And it reads, Moreover, the altar that was at Bethel and the high place which Jeroboam the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin, had made both that altar and the high place, he brake 
down and burnt the high place and stamped it to powder and burnt the grove. And as Josiah turned himself, he spied the sepulchers that were there on the mount and sent and took the bones out of the sepulchers and burnt them upon the altar and polluted it according to the word of the Lord, which the man of God proclaimed, who proclaimed these words. Then he said, what title is that that I see? And the man of the city told him, it is the sepulcher of the man of God, which came from Judah and proclaimed these things that thou hast done against the altar of Bethel. And he said, let him alone. Let no man move his bones. So they let his bones alone with the bones of the prophet that came out of Samaria. And all the houses also of the high places that were in the cities of Samaria, which the kings of Israel had made to provoke the Lord to anger, Josiah took away and did to them according to all the acts that he had done in Bethel. And he slew all the priests of the high places that were there upon the altars and burnt man's bones upon them and returned to Jerusalem. You see, what God had said Josiah was going to do Josiah did. Josiah didn't even know that he had been prophesied to do these things. He was doing them because of his zeal for God. And it was in fulfillment of what God said was going to happen. The word of God endures and is going to be carried out without any assistance from man. Because if God says it, God will will it and make it come to pass. That's why it's important for people to know what God says. And we have to look past our life to know it. Just like Josiah, he says, what is that sepulcher? What is that title? And they say, this is the bones of the man who prophesied that you would do these things. And so he honors the man in his death. Because what God said, God brought to fruition. And this is hundreds of years after the man had died who spoke those words. And so it is incumbent upon those who are going to put faith in God to find out what God said, no matter how long ago it was. Because it's going to come to pass. And so that's why it is important to be familiar with scripture. This ancient text has in it all that's needed for salvation. And even if it feels like not everything that God said has come to pass has happened, it will come. We wait for salvation. We wait for the return of the Lord. Why? Because God said that that's going to happen. And some people will say, well, that was so long ago that God probably has forgotten. No, he has not. Because God is not a God that says words and doesn't bring them to fruition. God speaks for a purpose. And his patience is so that as many as will be saved are saved. And so we must never allow our times, our circumstances to cause us to lose faith in the enduring word of God. But as we do such and we encounter God's word, we must have a respect for it. 
Because it's one thing to hear God's word, but it's quite another to hear it, respect it, and do it. Because look at what happens to Jeroboam. He disrespects the word of God. He disrespects this, this message that's given to him. And what, what, what happens? His hand withers up. But if you look at that young prophet, you would think that he would be wise enough to follow God's word to a T, right? But he's not. Let's go back to 1 Kings chapter 13. Because there's an interesting story that is included with this story of this man who comes and gives God's word about God's promises being fulfilled. And we read that he was given a stipulation. And what was that stipulation? Do not eat and drink in this place and do not go back the same way you came. But what happens if we jump down a little bit? Let's pick back up at first Kings 13, 11. Now, there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel. And his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel, the words which he had spoken unto the kings, them they also said unto the father. And their father said unto them, What way went he? For his sons had seen what way the man of God went, which came from Judah. And he said unto his sons, Saddle me the ass. So they saddled him the ass, and he rode thereon. And he went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And he said unto them, Art thou the man of God that camest from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said unto him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water with thee in this place. He knows what God said. He knows it. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, thou shalt not eat no bread, nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that thou hast camest. He said unto him, I'm a prophet also as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied unto him. So he went back with them and he did eat bread in the house and drank water. And it came to pass as they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came unto the prophet that brought him back. And he cried unto the man of God that came from Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Forasmuch as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord and hast not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but camest back and hast eaten bread and drunk water in the place of thee, which the Lord did say unto thee, Eat no bread and drink no water, thy carcass shall not come unto the sepulcher of thy fathers." And it came to pass after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk that he saddled for him the ass to wit for the prophet whom he had brought back. And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him and his carcass was cast in the way and the ass stood by it. The lion also stood by the carcass. And behold, man passed by and saw the carcass cast in the way and the lion standing by the carcass. And they came and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. And when the prophet that brought him back from the way heard thereof, he said, it is the man of God 
who was disobedient unto the word of the Lord. Therefore, the Lord hath delivered him unto the lion, which hath torn him and slain him according to the word of the Lord, which he spake unto him. You see, it's, 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 it's kind of difficult to process because one would think that God used this prophet to give a word to Jeroboam and that God would have some grace and be lenient upon the man. But God told him, do not eat, do not drink, do not go back with anybody. And he did not listen and he had to suffer the consequences. You see, we have to take the word of God so serious that we do not allow ourselves to be duped and to follow somebody else, no matter how religious they may appear, no matter how right they may seem, no matter how comfortable, appealing, beneficial to us it is. We have to take God at his word. And let God's word be the end all to be all. Because God is not a respecter of person. Just like he told Jeroboam, you're going to suffer for disobedience. The young prophet, the man of God, had to suffer for his disobedience. And some would say that's harsh. I would say that that's fair and that's just. And while... We might not want to accept it as such. It is because God is showing to all that if you do what he says, you will be rewarded. If you don't do what he says, you will be punished. And it gives everybody the opportunity to decide for themselves if they're either going to fall in line with God or they're going to do what they want to do. Either way, you have to suffer the consequences of your decisions. Jeroboam, the young prophet, did not respect the word of God. And in both cases, they were condemned for it in that moment. Now, what I will say is, the man of God, in his death, He was honored. In his death, he was remembered for good because he had spoken God's word. And while he made a mistake that was fatal to him in this life, he still had a good name after he left this world. Now, Jeroboam, he didn't pan out as such. Because every king in Israel after him fell after the sins of Jeroboam and God said because of what you started I'm going to send these people and scatter them into the nations and I'm going to get rid of them because you started disobedient disrespectful worship that I did not ordain And I would have given you everything you wanted if you just would have followed me, but you didn't because you did not respect my word. Even when it doesn't make sense to us because one can kind of, with a human perspective, see 
why Jeroboam would not send the people back to Jerusalem to worship because they could possibly start having warm feelings towards the other kingdom. But God said, you worship me how I ordained it and you will get the blessings that I'm going to give you. One could possibly argue that the young prophet did what he thought was right because he was told that it was from God. But he has to weigh what is perceived from God with what is actually from God. And that's a difficult thing because sometimes the package of God's word comes in a form that is not easily recognizable and sometimes lies come in ways which are easily deceiving. You see, the young prophet, the man of God, was told by this other prophet whom grew some type of affinity for him because he says, I'm a prophet too. I'm religious just like you. And because I'm just like you, I received a message from an angel that told me to tell you to come and dine with me. It seems like it's authentic. But he lied. It doesn't say why he lied, but he lied. It says that he lied. And one would think that the person who lied would get the punishment, but no, God says the person that receives the punishment is the one that believed a lie. Even though he was deceived, he had to suffer the consequence. See, that's why it's important for us, I would say, to always consult God about the validity of the message. Because in this case, we see that it was easy to dupe the young man into thinking that the message was from God. And just like in, in this story, it was a prophet of God, another religious man who had a message from an angel telling him something that was not, didn't seem too far-fetched. It was fatal. But sometimes that message of God can come in forms that doesn't seem quite right, but it is. You see, this Josiah that we have read, we're reading about, he made a fatal mistake as well pertaining to the word of God. And we'll look at that in just a second. But that just goes to show that God is not a respecter of persons. We looked at how Josiah had this reform in his days and how he got rid of all of the false worship in his kingdom and he had got people to incline their hearts to God. But now we're going to see a flaw in Josiah. And I think it's a flaw that can be easily seen in people who think that they're all the way right with God because of what they did is that they have a monopoly on an understanding of what God wants. If you will, turn to 2 Chronicles 35. 2 Chronicles 35, and we're going to go to the 20th verse, and it reads, After all this, this is after Josiah had set up 
the uh, Passover and and eradicated all of these idol worship out of uh, Jerusalem and got everybody's heart inclined back to God. This is what it says. After all this, when Josiah had prepared the temple, Nico, king of Egypt, came up to fight against Carmesh by Euphrates and Josiah went out against him. But he, Nico, sent ambassadors to him, Josiah, saying, What have I to do with thee, thou king of Judah? I come not against thee this day, but against the house wherewith I have war. For God commanded me to make haste, forbear thee from meddling with God who is with me, that he destroyeth thee not. Nevertheless, Josiah would not turn his face from him, but disguised himself that he might fight with him and hearken not unto the words of Nico from the mouth of God and came to fight in the valley of Megiddo. And the archer shot at King Josiah and the king said to his servants, have me away for I am sore wounded. His servants therefore took him out of that chariot and put him in the second chariot that he had. And they brought him to Jerusalem and he died and was buried in one of the sepulchers of his fathers. And all Judah and Jerusalem mourned for Josiah. You see that? A man that we would say is right. The Bible even says he's right. Makes a rash decision. And he goes out to fight Nico, the king of Egypt, even after Nico told him that God told him to go on this, this battle. And Josiah didn't listen. And one would say that I understand why Josiah didn't listen because Josiah had done all of these things to get right by God and God was the God of Israel. So he should be the one to know what God wants, but no. God was actually speaking through Nico trying to save Josiah. And it brings up the question, how does one know when a person is or is not speaking the correct word of God? Because on one hand, you have a prophet who says an angel told me to bring you back to the house and to put food and water before you. And then on the other hand, you have a king of Egypt who says, God says, leave me alone. I have a battle to fight that does not involve you. And in both cases, you have a person who is being led by God who dies. Dare I say, our answer would be found if we don't take the word at its face value, consulting God to see if that word is true. Because there are situations that might appear for that word to be right. We'll just bring it to today. There's a lot of churches and it'll appear that if a person just goes to church and the preacher says something that slightly resembles what is good, what's right, then you're in the right place. And so people will say, yes, I'm where God wants me to be, but they're not. Because that's not what God says you should do. But then there's other times to where somebody who does not appear to be a representative of God tells you something that's right. And it could actually save you. 
It can help you. But you look at them and say, you're not a godly person. I'm not going to listen to you. And you have negative results. I would say to know if a person is actually speaking for or against God, one must know scripture and one must consult God. You see, in these situations, neither one of these people, Josiah or the young prophet, asked God if the person was telling them the truth. Do you think that God would have revealed it to him? I think so. I think that God in both cases would have told him. I think that God would have told the young prophet, I, you know what I told you, do that. I think that God would have told Josiah, no, Nico is going to go fight, leave him alone. Because they were trying to do what God wanted. It's just that they, in their, dare I say, pride, arrogance, being misled, allowed somebody to lead them astray or heard what was actually right and did not follow it. And it teaches us that we have to consult God for the validity of messages that are being presented as a godly message. And while that might be a tedious task at times, while that might mean that we have to take a little bit of time to consider if this is actually coming from God's will, God's mind, we would be better off for it. Because we see what happened to the young prophet. He got killed. A lion just killed him, didn't even eat the body, standing by a donkey. Then the old man, out of guilt, knows that he did that. Josiah changes his clothes, puts on a disguise so he can go and fight when Nico told him, God said, leave me alone. This is not your battle. And what they both should have done was consulted God to see, is this old man lying to me? Is Nico really going out to war for you and should I leave him alone? Because we always have that option. Because God's word endures. He's not trying to cross us up. He's not trying to confuse us. He's actually trying to lead us to salvation. He's trying to put us in a better position. And that's why he gives us his word. But we must consult it. And that gets difficult for Christians because sometimes we get so caught up in our own understandings that it's hard to hear another perspective, even if it is God's perspective. Because it doesn't quite align with what I think right now. And so we must have the humility, the humility to be able to come into contact with the message, the word of God, verify it, and if it is from God, do what? Do it. Because God's not trying to hurt us. 
He's not trying to catch us up. All God's really trying to do for us is save us. And for that to take place, it takes obedience. But it also takes remembering that God's word is eternal. And my situation, circumstance in life sometimes can beguile me to think that I understand God to a degree that I don't. And so as God's children, we must be constantly in prayer. We must be constantly in his word. And we must be constantly measuring up these messages that we hear or perceive from God up against what God actually says. Because there's people with good intent who can lead you astray. And there's people with evil intent who will lead you astray. And sometimes it's hard to discern between the two. Nico was actually trying to save Josiah. The old prophet deceitfully deceived the young prophet. And yet, both men knew what they were supposed to do according to the word of God. Josiah lived in an interesting period because there was this message of doom and gloom and that's, that's, that's where we're at today. There is this impending doom that's coming upon the world. But we can be saved from it because we're in God's body. But also, because we're in God's body, it should cause us to measure each and every message against the word of God. Because we come across a lot of information in 2020. And a lot of people say things that just on the surface sounds good. And some of it even is beneficial to ourselves in the fleshly sense, <clears throat> but does nothing for us in our spiritual sense. And if we're going to try to live as God would have us to live, it requires, it mandated, dictates that we make sure that the messages that we allow to form us, to mold us, to cause us to be active are actually ones that are inspired by God. Because there's a lot of people doing things in the name of God that are bad. But they would tell you that this is what God wants. And there's a lot of people who are not doing things in the name of God. And it just looks good sometimes. And you might be tempted to join it and find out that it's not really what you want. And at times, just like God used Nico, God used Assyrians, he used the Babylonians, he even used the Romans to an extent, a people who appeared to be godless to carry out the will of God. And it was up to faithful people to understand what God was doing. And so we find ourselves at a time to where Everything is upside down. And one says, what is God doing? What does God saying to me? And there's a lot of people who would like to represent God and tell you what God is saying, what God is doing. 
Most of me wants to say don't listen to him. But the truth of the matter is, you hear what they say. You measure it up against the word of God. And then you go from there. I'm not sure where that leaves you. What I just wanted to encourage us to do is to constantly, constantly, critically analyze these messages that are presented to us. Be it here in our sermons, be it on our TVs, be it in our conversations with people that we come across. Because we know that God has spoken and what God spoke is going to come to pass. And that there's a lot of people who would try to represent God. Some do it deceptively on purpose. Some do it innocently. And it still has bad results for us. And there's sometimes people whom we do not believe are saying the truth. And we should heed it. That's why it's important to take these messages to God and ask him, is this really of you? Compare it with scripture to see where it stands. If we do that, we know we're not going to be perfect. But like the young prophet, like Josiah. We might die, but our names will be carried on after this life. And they'll be spoken of highly because we did what we could for God, even if we make a mistake. We're going to make mistakes. We're people. But the point is to do all that we can to do what God wants. I'm not sure where that sermon leaves you. My prayer is that you will contemplate it and incorporate it into your Christian life. If you're not a Christian, I ask, what's stopping you? God sent his son, Jesus, to freely extend the gift of salvation to all who will follow him. To get that salvation, one must follow the example set out in Scripture. The book of Acts, which details the church's beginnings and expansion, shows us biblical examples of those who were saved. A good place to look is in Acts 2. You get Peter preaching the first gospel sermon and the response of those who heard and believed his message. They repented and were baptized, which added them to the church Christ established. The Bible only teaches of one church. If you want to be added to it, go to your local church of Christ and tell them your desire to be washed of your sins and to live a godly life. Study your Bible, put its teachings to practice, and you will make heaven your home. <laughs>